Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Glad you're here today. It's uh, good to be inside today, isn't it? Uh, we're glad that everybody's here. We welcome everyone. Welcome our guests especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope that you'll be blessed and, and feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you would do that, we would certainly appreciate that. And especially if you would like to uh, receive our email newsletter that we send out each week, uh, please put your email address on there. And it's a good way to keep up with uh, the activities that are going on at Community Baptist Church. You will notice uh, in your worship folder that... Um, we are scheduled to have a swim party right after the worship service today. Yeah, in the, yeah, in the parking lot. Or at that little hole right over there. That we blocked up the drain there. Uh, so the question is, how fast can you swim? Can you dodge the lightning bolts? Uh, as you can tell, we, we are not going to be having a swim party today. So uh, another time, we hope, but uh, it will not be today. And this is... This was the redo anyway, wasn't it? <laughs> so uh, not today, but we'll, we'll see what happens in the, in the future. Uh, you will also notice that um, we are preparing for our deacon elections, and uh, there are expectations that we have for our deacons, a, a list of ex expectations, a little document that we have uh, that we would like for everyone to be familiar with and to, uh, uh, and to look at. And if you would not 
if you don't want to be considered uh, as a candidate for deacon, there's a sheet on the table as you go out the door. Please scratch through your name if you do not want to be considered uh, to be a candidate for deacon. Uh, we don't want to water down the votes, you know, that by people voting for people who aren't going to take it anyway. So if you don't want, if you know you're not going to take it, then please scratch your name out, and then uh, um, we'll have a truer um, election process here. Uh, but that'll be down the road a little bit. We're just kind of preparing for that at this point. Also, uh, we will we are are also preparing for our Sherway fundraiser, and uh, um, I think Mike has tickets, and uh, some of the other mission team may have tickets uh, for our Sherway fundraiser. I know Billy already has some, and she's selling them. She, she's, a, she's our salesperson extraordinaire. She, she said the other day that, uh, that there's a contest between she and I, but I told her there's no contest. I, I concede. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, the Shirtway fundraiser is on September the 12th and the 13th. Uh, we'll be selling uh, barbecue. And uh, if you would like to sell some tickets, uh, no, let me put it differently. You need to sell some tickets <laughs> because we really make the most money off of our pre-sales. And so please see Mike, get some tickets, sell them to your friends, and, uh, and, and we'll even deliver on Friday if you want us to. Uh, if you have enough to, to, deliver, uh, to, to have a delivery, we'll be glad to do that. And, uh, but see Mike and, and get some tickets and, uh, and do your part to, to sell for this. The money that we get from this is the main money that we have for our mission projects throughout the year. Um, so please, this is very important, so please uh, do your part to help us raise money for our mission projects. It's and great. We volunteers, too. We need volunteers. Uh, yes, that's right. We, ha we need volunteers. And I think, Mike, there's a sign-up sheet over here, right? There's a sign-up sheet over here. Uh, so if you could volunteer for that, we would certainly appreciate that. I, I, you can sign up for certain hours and certain times and certain jobs. So just please come and, and help us on those dates and uh, help us beforehand by selling the tickets. It's great to be here and to share the love of, of God with one another, to worship God together. And so let me invite you now to stand and let us uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Hello, I wanted to give you an update on our dawnings that our group is working with. It's this one. I was asked if I would join the dawning group. I listened to Dr. Hobbs and got the, you know, the clip notes about it on what it was going to be like. And I said, sure, yes, I'll do that, sure. Um, but I didn't realize what a great thing it was going to be for me. We meet on uh, Sunday evening for a couple of hours, and it is a very intense prayer time that has really been very beneficial for me. Uh, And what we are challenged with in our prayer time is to prepare us for the entire week, not to just do it while we're in our meeting with our dawnings, but to carry it out throughout the week and for our people that were in our team to concentrate on them. But um, this... Last Sunday we didn't meet, but the Sunday before we did, and I had to go to work that day because we were changing into a new system at another location, and uh, we had to get some stuff done, and I was coming from Evansville. Well, there had been a wreck, and I was delayed on the bridge getting back here, and I, I, had, I texted them. Thank goodness for texting to let them know I was going to be late. But at that moment, on that bridge, if you've ever been stuck on the bridge, it shakes. It moves. But it gave me my time to pause and to reflect and to prepare. And would I have thought of that before? No. But I did on this time. But um, our, our week, we started out on, uh, each week we're given questions to pray about. And our question, one of our questions for that week or what we were issued was, what hopes and dreams for our church is God giving you a vision for now and in the days ahead? What hopes and dreams? Hmm. And what vision do you have? Well, our exercise started out where we went on a journey inside this building and sat in different rooms, in uh, different settings, and thought about what our prayers, about in our prayers, what our visions and what our dreams were for our church. And it was very uh, eye-opening. We, uh, we went through the youth room. We went up in this room back here that used to be housed the library, which also is a Sunday school room or was a Sunday school room. We sat in the sanctuary, and we also made ourselves sit in spots that we don't normally sit um, we sit up here and see y'all out here in a whole different view than what y'all sit out there and view us up here. So that's kind of interesting. The baptistry, the kitchen, and yes, we even went into the men's restroom. <laughs> that was kind of, that was different. Um, but it was a first for some of us. Some of us had gone into men's bathrooms by accident, too. But um, we had a, they had the portable shower set up in there, which is exciting that uh, we could actually visualize it. Um, most of us are visual learners, and that helps for us to, to walk through. Um, we have also had a series of videos that we watch, and as they come up, there are quotations that come up, and one that came up fascinated me because I have this that is in my office at work. And I'm going to read to you what it says on it because this was what was written. This is by a great author. Oops. Sorry about that. Her name is Irma Bombeck. (laughs) And it says, When I stand before God at the end of my life, 
I would hope that I would have not a single bit of talent left and could say, I used everything you gave me. So as our dawning uh, continues, pray for us. We're praying for each of you. We're praying for our mission in our church on how we can uh, no longer be afraid to get out there and tell them about the great love of God. Thank you. Will you join me in our scripture reading? Today's scripture is Matthew 15, verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you, for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly.
Okay. You all noticed that we didn't have a responsive reading today because we want to take this opportunity um, to kind of recognize all of our children and our youth here. In t- oh, Molly, you know what picture's coming, don't you? So I'm going to start and then I'll turn it over to Miss Allie here in a second. Our children are very, very special part of this church and we have a good time in children's church we have a good time in Sunday school and uh, I knew a lot of kids weren't going to be here this morning I'd talk with parents but we just want to show you some um, some of our children that uh, and what grade they're in when I was getting this put together it's like I cannot believe our kids are getting this old and I love the scripture here and all of our children know that it's God who instructs us all the time. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. We always try to make sure our children and youth know that God is with them always, every day, every minute. So the 2014-15 school year. Our first congratulations goes to Miss Gray Hobgood. There's our Gray. Gray is the daughter of Evan, the sister of Hera, the granddaughter of Chris and Lana, and of course the niece of Jesse. And congratulations, Gray. She's going to preschool in Evansville. Growing up. And our next gal, Miss Zoe. It's hard to believe she's in preschool. Daughter of Lauren, granddaughter of Robbie and Kim, great granddaughter of Doris and Nina. And congratulations, Zoe. Holy name preschool this year. Next is Mr. Wyatt. I hope I didn't tell this when I shouldn't have. He's the son of Jake and Kim Lear, and he's soon to be a big brother of... So congratulations to Kim and Jake. Grandson of Miss Sybil, nephew of Kyle. Congratulations, Wyatt. And I think that's right, first grade at Spotsville Elementary. Look at the knee. Got the boy knee right there. Mr. Joe, I talked to Bill, uh, Becky last night. They're at the lake this weekend. Joe Hudson always has something to say. <laughs> Son of Bill and Becky Hudson, brother of Megan Emily, grandson of Bill and Judy. And I know they came in. They're awful proud of their kids. And congratulations, Joe. He's in kindergarten this year at Spotsville Elementary. Miss Meg, daughter of Bill and Becky Hudson, sister of Joe and Emily. Granddaughter of, granddaughter of Bill and Judy, and Meg is in second grade at Spotsville Elementary. Miss Jade is daughter of Sarah Hendricks, sister of Allie Hendricks, um, great-granddaughter of Cookie. A lot of people thought that was her granddaughter. That's her great-granddaughter. And Jade is already in third grade at Jefferson Elementary. Miss Gracie, um, I know that Virginia has been sick all week. Gracie is not with them this weekend. Gracie is the daughter of Eddie and Virginia Marseille, sister of Heather, and Gracie is in second grade at Faust Elementary. Miss Sarah, there you are, Miss Sarah, daughter of Don and Lisa Carroll, and the sister of Trevor, Brooklyn, and Kayla, and Sarah. Third grade. Girl, you're getting old. Bengate Elementary. <laughs> Third grade. Next is Miss Sarah Toy. 
And Sarah is the daughter of Kenny, and Sarah's also in third grade at Bengate Elementary. But this Sarah tells me you're not in the same room. Darn it. Okay. All righty. Next is Molly. <laughs> Sherry, that's your girl. Kelsey said, do you want me to take a serious one? And she said, nope, that's good. And that's our Molly. She keeps us rolling back there. I spelled Sherry wrong. I am so sorry. Is it S-H-E-R-R-I? Oh, man, I never got that right. There's two things wrong on this, right, Molly? She's the sister of David. Is she a good sister, David? Oh. We'll talk about that in Children's Church. And third grade at Cairo Elementary. I am so sorry. I'll get that changed. Cairo Elementary. All right. Miss Allie is in here, daughter of Sarah, sister of Jade, great-granddaughter of Cookie, and Allie is in middle school this year. Well, Allie is in middle school, sixth grade at North. Uh, other CBC kids, Sydney uh, is on an overnight. I talked with uh, Sarah yesterday, the daughter of Sarah, sister of Max, and Sydney's in fourth grade at Bengate. Jerry Neal, I talked with them this week, the brother of Kaylee, Jerry and Royce's son. Jerry is in fifth grade. So he will be going to middle school next year. I know. It was hard for me, too, Mark. It's like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. And and I didn't know if Charlie and Kai would be here. I believe Peggy's grandsons. Is that correct, Charlie and Kai? Okay. All right. And the next slide. Lana, your picture's gone. <laughs> That's kind of weird. There was a picture there. Oh, it just disappeared. All right. Lana, we want to say thank you again to Lana. She is going to continue teaching Sunday school grades K, 1, and 2. Miss Rachel will be moving to a Sunday school class, so I will be teaching preschool Sunday school ages 2, 3, and 4. So that's a little change we need to make. And the next, we'll see if Sue. Oh, Sue, looky there. Your picture appeared. <laughs> and Sue Allen is our Sunday school teacher for grades 3, 4, and 5. And we appreciate both of you guys very, very much, all of you. And next, um, starting next Sunday, for what we used to call Children's Church, we will be going upstairs to the corner room for what we'll now call WOW Worship. And it's going to be for children um, through third grade. If you're fourth, fifth, and so on, you'll stay in the sanctuary. It's going to be our own worship service, and we'll begin next Sunday right after Children's Moment. All righty. And I think I'm going to turn it over to Allie now, and she'll finish it finish this out with a prayer after she says her children here are used. Wow, and they do grow up so quick and soon. All of y'all will be up in the youth with these guys. Um, so now we've got our youth who are all moving up into their own grades. We have Emily Hudson, who is moving into 7th grade, or is now in 7th grade at North Middle School. And Max, who is in 8th grade at South. And Dane North, who is, gonna, who is in 6th grade and is at South as well, along with Logan, who is in 8th grade. And Maggie Vincent, who is in 8th grade at North. Um, our freshmen this year are Kaylee Neely, Neil, sorry, and our sophomores are Jake 
Aiden Kirk, and Matthew Turner. For juniors, we have Kelsey and Colin and Heather. And our seniors, Nathaniel, who sadly will be moving out this time next year. <laughs> but next year we'll have a whole new group coming in. With that, our youth are such a special place in, in our church, and we welcome them, we love them, we nurture them. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Lord, we thank you for, for the youth of this church, the youth of this community, and what they mean um, to all of us. We just ask that you help us to nurture them, to help them to grow in their faith, in their love for you. Help us to be their guides. Help them to, to love you, to follow you, to be near you and with you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Okay. All right. So this morning, I thought I had a, um, a bandana, and I, I, I swore I grabbed it and came with it, and then I couldn't find it. So guess what? We get to use my lovely scarf. Okay. Well, do you guys know what faith is? Kinda. What do you think it is? You don't. Do you know it's there? Okay. Well, what do you think? You don't know either? Okay. That's all right, because that's why you guys are down here. Well, faith, according to Webster's Dictionary, faith is whenever you have confidence or trust in someone or something. So, who wants to volunteer? Who has faith? Who has confidence or trust in me? Well, one of y'all, just real quick. Hurry, hurry. All right, Sarah, come on. Your mama picked you. Mama decided for you, too. <laughs> Them mamas. All right, let's figure out how we can get this on here. Okay. So well, I'm going to take this lovely scarf, and I'm going to wrap it around and close your eyes. Okay, no peeking. Can you see anything? Okay. Ooh, I hope it stays. I'm going to wrap it around your ponytail. Maybe that'll help a little bit. Okay. Now, I want you to stand. I'm going to turn you around a little bit. Okay. Now, do you have faith in me, Miss Sarah? <laughs> well, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to lean backwards 
and I want you to trust that I'm going to catch you, okay? All right, so lean back. Keep leaning. Keep, come on. <laughs> all right, I want you to fall, okay? Not just bend your back. All right, you ready? One, two, three, fall. Oh, good job. <laughs> well, Miss Sarah, the second time, showed that she had faith in me, that she trusted me. So um, there is a really cool story in the Bible with Abraham and Sarah. And if you guys have ever heard the story about Abraham and Sarah, they're really, 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 really old, 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 like beyond having babies old. And so um, Abraham and, and Sarah thought that they were too old to have children. God promised Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son their, of their own named Abe. On their own, a son in their old age. Sorry. They had faith, faith in God's promise. Oh, we have some more. You want to come down here real quick, little kids? I have more. Come on. <laughs> hey, run this way. Run back there and get off. Okay. All right. Um, Abraham and Sarah had a son named Isaac, and he had a son named Jacob, who had 12 sons. The beginning of the Hebrew nation. It all started with a promise and faith in the promise. If you accept God's promise, for with faith, great things will happen. Kind of like how Sarah trusted, you trusted me, right? And great things happened. I caught you, right? Yeah. Well, once Jesus promised um, his disciples that he had a few fish and loaves of bread would feed thousands, they believed, and all the people were fed. Take these goldfish as a sign that the faith in God's promise will we'll fill you up. So you guys get to take these back and eat them. You did? Well, have faith that you'll have more room. Thank you, guys. Thank you. 
Let's pray together. As we consider the goodness and grace of God, we acknowledge the gratitude and generosity of God's people. Accept our gifts, dear God, as an expression of our joy in being faithful. And we think we are a little closer to heaven when we are grateful to you. And we know the blessings of faith are abundant in our giving. This prayer in thy name. Amen.
Very nice. Thank you, choir. Look at our choir. They were they were digging out chairs today. As a matter of fact, I may turn around and preach to them. I think there's there's more back here than there are out there. I'll be glad when lake season is over. <laughs> a few years ago, Bennett Surf was addressing a group of doctors, and, and afterwards, after his address, one of the doctors came up to him, told him about an operation that he had performed on an ill-tempered elderly woman. He said this, this woman came through the surgery fine, despite all of her dire prognostications, but she became quite agitated when the doctor told her that in accordance with the rules of the hospital, she had to walk, she would have to walk at least 10 minutes the very first day after her surgery and would have to get out of there entirely after a week. Well, she had her 10-minute walk on that first day, tottering but under her own steam, and then she lengthened it to 20 minutes the second day, and by the end of the week, she was stomping all over the hospital, including into rooms she didn't belong. Well, later, her family tried to pay the doctor a premium for the wonderful job that he had done. And he said, nonsense, it was just a routine surgery. To which her grandson replied, it's not the surgery, it's not the operation that we're marveling over. It's her walking. The old girl hadn't taken a step in over six years. You know, I think that's a great story. The old girl hadn't taken a step in over six years, and now she's walking. And why? Because her doctor told her to, and she was obeying her doctor. You know, it's, it's amazing what faith in a good doctor or a teacher or a parent or a child can do. And it's amazing the things that you can accomplish in your life if you simply have the faith and the determination to do it. Now, did you know that there are only two people in the Bible who were praised by Jesus as having great faith? That's right, only two people. And here's the remarkable thing about that. You see, both of those people who were praised by Jesus as having great faith were Gentiles. One was a Roman centurion, apparently his servant, whom he loved, was sick and, and was about to die. And, but the centurion had heard about Jesus and sent some Jewish elders to ask him to come and heal his servant. So when they came to Jesus, they, they said to him, this man deserves to have this done because he loves our nation. He, he built our synagogue. And so Jesus went with them towards the centurion's house. But as he approached the house, the centurion sent a message out to Jesus saying, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I, I don't deserve to have you under my roof. That's why I don't, didn't even consider to myself worthy to come to you. And he said, just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And when Jesus heard what the centurion said, he was amazed, and he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in all of Israel. And when the centurion's friends returned to his house, the servant was healed. This centurion was, the, was one person that Jesus praised for his great faith. And the other one was the Canaanite woman in our story for today. Her story is even more remarkable because 
in the eyes of the Jewish people, to be a Canaanite was to be one of the lowest people in the world, probably as low as you could get. The Canaanites were often looked upon by the Jews as immoral people, religiously impure, outcasts. And so this, for a Canaanite woman to be called a person of great faith, this was an amazing development. The story is set in the region of Tyre and Sidon, which are, are, are two Gentile cities up north near the Mediterranean Sea. And this Canaanite woman came to Jesus crying, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. So this is her situation. She's experiencing one of life's greatest heartaches. Her daughter, whom she loves dearly, is suffering And what mother or father would not prefer to suffer themselves rather than to have one of your children suffer? Most of us would travel to the ends of the earth and empty our bank accounts if our child was suffering in some way. And apparently this girl's suffering was severe. Now we don't know exactly what the woman meant when she said that her daughter was demon-possessed. Her daughter's, daughter's affliction may have been uh, physical or it may have been emotional. And it doesn't really matter because pain is pain. In fact, in today's world, physical pain may be preferable to psychological pain because at least in, we have the resources to help someone who is in physical pain. But even in our scientifically sophisticated society today, a parent whose child is tormented with psychological problems is is often just bounced around from one agency to the next without any real help. But unfortunately, we are beginning to acknowledge the problems of mental illness. And we're beginning to understand how pervasive it it really is. And it certainly has been front and center in our lives this week with the apparent suicide of Robin Williams. Here was a man who, who was a comedic genius, the king of improv, whose mind was going a hundred miles an hour, and yet so many people did not know that he was quietly suffering and with depression and anxiety. And he wasn't alone. There's a poster that displays a, a bunch of famous people who at one time or another were declared unstable or who suffered from mental illness. You see the poster up there now, and and as you can see, there are pictures of people like Abraham Lincoln and Winston Churchill, even the father of the Protestant Revolution, uh, Revolution, Reformation, Uh, Martin Luther is there, and of course, there's also Robin Williams. You know, we acknowledge the problems of mental illness, but it's a great, the great shame of our society that we do so very little to help them. And it only seems that, it seems to be when some tormented soul shoots up an elementary school or attempts to assassinate a celebrity or a prominent comedian shocks everyone with his suicide that we pay much attention to it. And even then, it's only for a few days while the headlines last. But I mention this because the explanation that is given for this poor girl's torment was demon possession. And it would not be a huge stretch to imagine that her problems were emotional or psychological. But whatever the cause of her suffering, this woman believed that Jesus could help her. 
she had heard that Jesus was a great healer, and she knew, she knew that he was a Jew, and she was not. But if he could help her daughter, it didn't matter. And so she came to him and cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and is suffering. Well, at this point, something happened that is, is well, it's is troubling. It's troubling to me. And I have to confess to you that this passage of Scripture that I'm preaching on today is probably my least favorite passage of Scripture in the Bible. And the reason why is that from my perspective as a 21st century American, what Jesus says and does in the next few verses seems so unlike my perception of Jesus. And I honestly hate preaching on this passage of Scripture because it's hard for me to make sense of what Jesus says and does here. First of all, when this woman came to him and begged for his help, Matthew tells us that Jesus didn't say a word. He ignored her. She was in absolute distress, and she cries out for his help, and all she gets is the silent treatment. Boy, we've all been there, haven't we? Theologians have written tons of books about the silence of God. And if you've ever confronted a great challenge in your life, you've probably experienced it yourself. You've brought your need to Jesus and you've prayed with all of your heart and the silence is deafening. Where's God? And you're not alone. Many of the most prominent people in the Bible experience the same kind of thing. And so this poor Canaanite woman cried out, Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering. And Jesus is silent. Now some, some commentators believe that this woman was actually encouraged by Jesus' silence. At, at least he didn't dismiss her. But apparently her constant hounding was bothering the disciples and so they urged him, Send her away. But folks, let me ask you something. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never sends anybody away? Never. In all of the Gospels, Jesus never sent anyone away. And it doesn't matter what their gender is or their ethnicity or even their religion. He never turns anyone away. And so maybe he was being silent for dramatic effect. I don't know, because what happens momentarily is certainly a watershed event in his ministry. But when he breaks his silence, he says something that really disturbs me. He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Is that really how Jesus saw his ministry? Not as the Savior of the world, but only as the Messiah for the Jews? Or is he saying, up to this moment, my ministry has been directed towards the Jewish people, the people of Israel, but I'm about to do something new. I'm about to branch out a bit. Well, the Canaanite woman was not put off by Jesus' words, for she came before him and knelt down in front of him, and and with a crushing load of, of love for her daughter, she said, Lord, help me. Please. 
And that, that's when Jesus made a reply that has baffled scholars for 2,000 years. It is not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. Did Jesus just call this woman a dog? Well, it may sound like that, but, but, but scholars tell us that the word that he used here is, was a common word for household pet. So this is not a mongrel dog that we're talking about. It, it, it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the pets. But, but you know, even that, that may soften it a little bit, but even that sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? But it may not have been so harsh to those who heard it. It didn't appear that the Canaanite woman was all that offended. She said, yes, it is, Lord. She said, even the household pets get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Point, counterpoint. You know, I, I, I just wonder if, 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 Jesus, uh, if a smile spread across Jesus' face when she said this. I can just imagine that. I mean, it wasn't often that Jesus met his match in a theological argument. And this by a woman and a Canaanite at that. But she made a good point. Pastor Den Guptel tells a story that might help us uh, put this into perspective. He said that uh, when he was a child, his family had a dog named Spike and his dad always bragged on how good Spike was. Spike was, would never take any food that he hadn't been offered, hadn't been given. And as an example, Den says that uh, he told about how he brought home a fresh package of ground meat. And he was hurly, hur, in a hurry to go somewhere, so he left the meat in a box sitting on the floor in the kitchen. And later on, when his parents came back home, the meat was still there. Spike had not touched it. Good dog. He says that Spike was such a good dog that you could leave treats out at the coffee table never to worry about Spike getting into those treats. But Spike was not perfect. You see, one Christmas, Den's father was standing in the kitchen looking over the, the little, little half wall that separated the kitchen from the living room. And as he watched, he saw Spike come into the living room and carefully look around and make sure nobody was watching. And then, very deliberately, he stuck his nose into a bowl of chocolate muffins lying on the table. And he rooted around a little bit until he found just the right one, and he ate it and left the others behind. Den says, aren't you glad that you didn't visit our house and eat some, some of those muffins, knowing that Spike had been there first? But then he adds, the, adds these words, these profound words. He says, our dog was not one of the children, but he was a member of the family. And as such, he had certain privileges. And one of those privileges were the crumbs that fell from the table. And he says, grace means that we get the crumbs from the table. This woman understood that she was not a part of the community that Christ came to. But she did know that she had a place in the household of God. And she was going to lay claim to the grace that was rightfully hers. And what was Jesus' response to her? Woman, you have 
great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed. You know, you've got to love this woman. Jesus obviously loved her. You see, she understood that faith is more than just subscribing to a, a certain system of beliefs. That's not what faith is. Faith is a life that is lived in the knowledge that all of us are a part of God's family. All of us. And because we are all a part of that family, each and every one of us, no matter who we are, no matter what we have done, we all have an inborn dignity that no one can take away from us. No one. We are God's children. And when we trust in God, miracles can happen. I read recently about an eight-year-old uh, eight Walter Davis who was playing baseball one day, and his legs suddenly became limp like spaghetti and just collapsed on the ground. Now, this was in the... This was years ago before the advent of the polio vaccine. There's still no cure for that terrible disease, though it has been totally eradicated here in the western part of uh, the western hemisphere through vaccines. And even today, Rotary International and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is, uh, they are working tirelessly to eradicate polio from the face of the earth. Um, but Walter's doctors diagnosed his polio and told him that he would never walk again. As you can imagine, he was devastated, and so were his parents. But it was not the end of the story. You see, a visitor from his church came and knelt by Walter's bed and prayed for him and encouraged him to have the faith that God could help him walk again. Walter's mother gave him similar encouragement and began to work with his legs and to massage his legs and work those legs and make sure that he got the exercise that, that he needed, the therapy that he needed, and it began to take effect. And almost miraculously, Walter learned how to walk again. But you know what? That wasn't enough for him. You see, Walter set a goal for himself not only to, to walk again and not only to run again, but he wanted to break the world record for the high jump. Now that seemed impossible. But guess what? The time came when Walter entered the Olympics and broke all records for the high jump. General William Booth once said that God loves with a great love the person whose heart is bursting with a sublime passion for the impossible. This Canaanite woman was kind of like Walter's mother. She dared to believe the impossible. And so Jesus said to her, You have great faith. And her daughter was healed. Now this woman was considered an outcast by the religious people of her time. And yet still Jesus responded to her need. And it may be that... There may be someone here today who feels estranged from God or from God's people. Maybe you've been hurt by the church at some point in your life, or maybe you've been hurt or rejected or betrayed by someone who represented Christ to you. Or maybe you've given into a temptation, and the weight of your guilt 
has caused a wall to separate you from God's grace. Well, folks, I want you to listen to this. This Canaanite woman was, was part of a despised people, but that did not keep her from having a claim on God's grace just like everyone else. And so, folks, listen to this. You bring your hurt to Jesus. You bring your need to Jesus. You bring your urgent plea to Jesus because he knows the urgent need of your life. And so give it to him. Give him the chance to respond and to bring healing to your life. Amen. We've come to that portion of our service where we will um, celebrate the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. I'd like to ask our deacons to come forward and and to prepare for the Lord's Supper. As they do that, um, we will uh, will do that as we normally do. We'll we'll, uh, begin at the back and come down the center aisle. Uh, There is the bread here. There's the cup And if you'll take a piece of the bread and move to either side and dip it into the cup and then eat the bread that has been uh, soaked in the cup. To take the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of, of Jesus. If you cannot come forward or would prefer to stay where you are, we'll have some deacons that will be coming forward also with, um, uh, with the bread and the cup, and, and you, can, you can take it at your seat if you would like. But here's the thing about this. This is the Lord's Supper, and everyone is invited to the table of Christ. I want you to take note of who was at the Last Supper of Jesus. It was his disciples, yeah. The th- people who you would think were the most faithful to him of all. But there was Simon Peter who within just a few hours would deny even knowing him. And there was Judas who within just a few hours would not only turn his back on him but turn him over to the authorities and eventually led to his arrest and scourging and death. Jesus knew who was in his company that day. And you know what? He did not turn them away. That's the kind of God we have. God turns no one away. And that is the same, the same is true for the Lord's Supper. Christ turns no one away and neither do we. And it doesn't matter what you have done in your life. It doesn't matter who you are. You are welcome at God's table. And so we invite you to come as we share this time of communion together. We invite you to come and to celebrate what God has done for your life in that through his death and his resurrection, we have forgiveness of sins. That's something to celebrate, my friends. And that's what the grace of God is all about. So come, let us celebrate the love of God and the grace of God, and let us remember what God has done for us.
isn't God's grace amazing? It truly is. And if we stop to think about what God has done in our lives, that he would give his very son in our behalf, we can't help but to be awed by the grace of God. Thank goodness. Because, folks, without him, we would be nothing. I think that's a good thing to sing, don't you? Our closing hymn is number 300. Without him, we would be nothing. God, we have met in your name and in your presence. We have come, you have come among us again, and you have blessed us with your presence. Because we have met together today, O oh God, may life be enlarged for those who lack hope. May life be clarified for those who are confused. May life be sweeter for those who have tasted its bitterness. And may life be holy for those who may have lost the dignity and the beauty and the meaning of it. May we go from this place in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and have great faith. Amen.